You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to The Making of a Marketer, the podcast that takes you around the world of marketing one topic at a time. Hosted by digital marketing consultants Jess Nickerson and Andy Pondillo. We welcome you to join the conversation. Stream us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. Now here are your hosts, Jess and Andy. Hello, hello, Justin Andy here today on this happy Thursday. We've been gone for a little bit, Jess, but we're back. We're excited. We're having our second book club, and we did some big, uh, important stuff lately. So I just finished closing on a house. So this should be the last, uh, maybe second to last podcast. You'll see this room. Going to work on some cool lighting. We're going to get this thing going, Jess, because I got a little bit more room, a little bit more ambient light, some neon lights in the background. So I hope you got your marketing brain on about how we're going to bring this video cast to life a little bit more. Oh, well, I didn't know about neon lights. Uh, Is it, it's going to be gonna blue? Oh, you could get a sign. Andy. Yes, that's what I'm thinking. A right Some extra marketing. So... Uh, but that's for us to be determining later. What we've been doing is some homework lately. We've been reading our second book, Sitting Pretty, uh, for our second book club today. So it was so successful the first time that, Jess, you brought a poll to our audience on our LinkedIn page to vote on which book they would like us to read, review, and kind of just have a good open discussion with. So today we do have a guest to help us lead us through this book, Susie Wise. She is an author, director, and coach. And we're really, really excited to have you today, Susie. We're going to get to the book, but first we're going to talk about you for a little bit. So uh, first of all, just thank you so much for joining us. And also thank you for doing the homework with us so we could have a, a wonderful conversation today. Thanks so much, Andy and Jess, for having me. I am here in Oakland, California. Um, I'm the author of a book called Design for Belonging, How to Build Inclusion and Collaboration in Your Communities. And I'm also the Director of Strategy at the Alameda County Community Food Bank. Um, it's a nonprofit here in Oakland that serves the whole county. And then I got to know Jess, um, through the D school at Stanford, where I remain a coach and a teacher. So yeah, just one thing I'll say about oh. Susie Andy, just really quickly, she is the, the type of person where whenever I would uh, go back to the D school or when I go back and Susie's one of the coaches, I, even though I'm a coach, I want to be on Susie's team. <laughs> 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 Can I just... Can I have Susie coach me, please? <laughs> so what you're saying is Susie is your hype person because everybody has like a hype person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I was just like that you guys invited me because I hadn't um read this book before the book club invitation. And I really love it. So I'm excited to talk about it. So Susie, let's start with you here. So author, director, coach, that's a lot going on in your world. You know, that's, I feel like a, an accumulation of different skill sets. And I would uh, imagine somewhere they cross over, but I know one thing that crosses over in all three is creativity. So we asked this question with all of our guests and I've been dealing with this a little bit. So I'm trying to get a little bit more creative uh, right now is when you do get stuck creatively, how do you feel like you get unstuck and what gets you in that mojo? Awesome question. Um, for me, it's many things that I like to pull from a toolkit, but like my go-to is a walk. 
Um, and my next is to immerse myself in something that feels really different or potentially analogous to whatever I'm wrestling with. So if I'm working on a creative challenge about scale, I might go stop by a Starbucks, right? They've scaled massively and just think about how in my immersion do I notice what are parts of their scale? Um, so I, I love to go and immerse myself in alternative environments. Um, and if there can be walking involved, potentially walking by water, um, that usually gets my juices flowing. So in Pittsburgh, we have a lot of water over here and you can walk past it in the summer. It's really nice to walk because I used to, not as much now, but I used to live in this really walkable area, right? By all the, the fancy yellow bridges and everything. Um, but to walk past it during like January, you have to be in like a special like <laughs> mindset to be able to stomach that. So what we did over here, Susie, is we now have a walking pad for the home office. So we can do oh. outdoor and indoor to make sure that we get that, uh, that in motion a little bit more again. Get your steps in. Yeah. I just, um, I mean, since we're talking about books, I'll throw in another book. Um, I just got given a book called Walking as Artistic Practice, and I haven't dug into it deeply, but it looks really interesting. We'll add that to the list. Maybe that's another book club uh, edition, Jess. So we'll just keep piling us. I, I depend on you now, Susie. I depend on you, Jess, to like get us these books because my expertise in, in this could be for a future episode is like the true crime Netflix binge Ooh. series. And, and that's the reason, honestly, I don't read as much as I should is because I just get in this funnel of, of true crime. I guess it's Netflix's marketing funnel and I never leave it. <laughs> well, do you have to tell us what was, what was recently? Recently, true crime... I watched a dot. It's about the scandal of Boy Scouts. That's a hard, that was a hard watch. So Boy Scout scandal. I can't remember the name of it right now, but that was one you don't want to watch right before you go to bed, which I did, which I never recommend watching those types of things. But um, there's several on there. Uh, Making a Murderer um, sounds very close to our podcast name is probably my personal favorite, but I haven't watched that one in a couple of years now. Awesome. So let's take it back here to talk about you, Susie. So these different roles that you're in right now, uh, tell us how they've intertwined in your growth. And also just tell us about design for belonging. Like how did this come about? Um, you becoming an author? Was it something you set out to do? Was it something that just happened? You know, just, I know everybody kind of has a different entryway into becoming an author. Yeah, thank you. I Well, two of them are linked. So we've mentioned the D school where I coach um, and have for a long time. And I used to be the leader of our K-12 lab at the D school. And I left there in 2017, like a full-time role. Um, and right as I was leaving, we were doing deeper work around how to think about equity in design and that intersection. And that launched a stream of work that we call liberatory design. And as I was digging into liberatory design and still working with educators, particularly school leaders that were thinking about the culture of their schools, I noticed that sometimes when they talked about equity and when we talked together about equity, even when they wanted to be working towards greater equity in their school and supporting students that were furthest from opportunity to be successful in their school, they got a little stuck when we sometimes turned the conversation towards equity. And as I was playing with that, I was speaking with one of my mentors, Victor Carey, he's, he's in my book. Um, and he handed me like a two pager about othering and belonging, this framework that comes out of Berkeley, um, that John Powell and Stephen Menendian wrote this piece about. And I decided to prototype. So there's the design connection, right? I wanted to try out, gosh, if I use some of this language of othering and belonging with educators, how, what would that do? And what I found was the shift to talking about belonging, because it is a feeling that however you've been oriented to towards our kind of social structures and the things that create racial inequities in our systems, 
um, you've still probably had an experience of belonging or not. You might have to go back to middle school, feeling awkward in school, et cetera. But so, so talking about belonging because it is a feeling really helped people to notice what it was in a, in a felt way that they were actually trying to create when they were redesigning their schools. And I thought that was really intriguing. Um, and so I started to want to work at this intersection of design for belonging. And then because I left my full-time role at the D school, I um, was on a project with the D school as an institution was thinking about how can we share our methods more, uh, you know, kind of across um, domains and, and outside of the building, right? You know, it's great if you get to go to Stanford and be coached by Jess or me in a program, but that's a really narrow right, amount of the world. So then like, how could we get our ideas out further? And so we started brainstorming book titles and I got invited to be part of a writer's room where we were brainstorming and generating ideas for books. And I think I might've been invited because they thought I was maybe gonna write something about my prior work with educators. Uh, but I was really interested in pursuing, I'm always kind of wanting to go forward. So I was wanting to go forward at this intersection of design and belonging. And so that's kind of how the, the, the notion of the book was born. And then it was actually written during the pandemic. Um, luckily, I had gone out and done some prototyping around it in advance. So I kind of had my material together to, to play with it. Um, and then I'll link that to my current role as director of strategy at the Alameda County Community Food Bank. Here I am, one of the things that I love about design is we talk about how do you flare and how do you focus and how does flaring and focusing build your creativity? Um, and so for me, I had now just had six years where I had been kind of freelancing and writing and moving around and pandemic, et cetera. And I was just really craving an opportunity to be a part of a work community and to be a part of work in community. So getting to work with the food bank is really excellent because we partner with 400 community partners across the county that actually serve food to community members and that um, their mission um, and our vision for a hunger-free county is really motivating to me. And I wanted to see how I could bring design and creativity and a desire to build belonging into an organization like this. So I've just been here for five months um, and it's, it's really exciting to get to kind of play in the space of a totally new domain, not K-12 education, thinking about food and food justice and what that means in our community and also how do we design our way towards that. I love it, Susie. I'm inspired right now to take your coaching course. So <laughs> I think Jess has already sold me. But just hearing you talk through that, like something that's important to us is we definitely hear just the passion in the projects that you're doing. And that is something that I think in both the, the marketing and professional world, I feel like it's been tougher and tougher since COVID. And I think people are still trying to find that. They're kicking tires all over the place trying to figure out where that's at. And I think that that's something that is essential to this book club and kind of just leads us into talking about Sitting Pretty today. So from Rebecca Tossing, this uh, book was about an individual that she was disabled from a young age. She was in a wheelchair after her battle with cancer. Uh, she survives and she goes on to live this successful life uh, where she's uh, in the professional world. She's giving talks. She's an Instagram influencer. She writes this book. She's a teacher. She's someone very inspiring on the outset, but there's so many things that we don't think about from somebody in this lens and the experiences they go through in life. And some of them, when I read this book, it was kind of like, oh yeah, duh, like that would be something that, you know, if I was in that situation, you would probably have to think about, but as someone who doesn't have that uh, scenario, it just isn't top of mind. So my thoughts when I read this is it was just so powerful to hear something from a person in a certain place and how they think about the world. And then through my marketing lens, like where I could be missing 
when I just haven't heard from that one-to-one perspective. So Susie, as an author, I was curious your thoughts of hearing a personal story in this format and the way that this was written. Yeah. So I I um, said it right when we got on the call earlier setting up. I'm so pleased that you guys introduced me to this book. I really love this book. I love the way that she combines her personal story with reflections on our larger systems and what that means. Um, I think my favorite chapter was the one where she interrogates kindness, um, because I think that really brings alive kind of these tensions that we have of not understanding what people really need. And when I bring the human-centered design lens to the book, I'm like, it's like it should be taught in every design class because she points out so many ways in which the systems that we're building, the products that we're building, the homes that we're building um, aren't um, aren't accessible and that we have to move beyond that to understand that that's not, uh, you know, just a requirement for a door width that matters. Um, door width really matters um, if you're trying to enter in a wheelchair like she is, but you're also... Um, can look at what it means to experience a day or a week or what have you where you repeatedly like feel like you don't fit Um, and that to me is this like really beautiful connection to to belonging because belonging isn't just fitting in belonging is right feeling like you're actually seen and valued for who you are Um, And she does a really great job. I don't think she actually calls it this, um, but kind of thinking about how do we reverse a kind of deficit mindset, um, which I think is applicable to so many different contexts. And I might have lost the thread of your original question, but... It's okay. My my brain jumps all over the place all the time. So, (laughs) like, I would... We, we've yeah. had a few of these podcasts, Jess, where we've probably asked like three questions and I've been like, oh crap, like we're like close to like running out of time. So I like to say we take it wherever it lets us take us. Yeah, great. That's totally great. Yep. So um, let, name, oh, oh go ahead, Jess. I was going to say that that's one of the themes that I really uh, just just got, got to me and was very eye-opening, just this this idea, like, you know, reading both Susie's book and Rebecca's book, like, really, d- there is such a a need, just like a human basic need of belonging and being accepted in our society. And it was so shocking to me. And she was not condescending at all uh, with her stories, but it was so shocking to me to hear her perspective and how, uh, as a society, uh, we can so easily discard a group of people. And, yeah. and, and Susie, I love your perspective on this because another thing I took from the, uh, this as well is that I needed to do a lot more research around ableism, especially yeah. like ableism in the media. And like one of uh, the powerful stories that she shared that really got to me again was uh, this, uh, the idea of like her taking an Uber So just like these like little things that we may take uh, for granted, like, uh, you know, taking an Uber is a very scary thing because she will not have access to her chair and her chair is very empowering to her. It is like her powerful tool that she needs to get around. So when like, we're thinking about how, well, one, that's like, those are just so many feelings there that we can uh unpack but then when we're just thinking about like in the media how the media like portrays uh disabled people and is it like being a problem like you're saying like a deficit versus like well actually like the the chair is a way for them to get around it's a way for them to move and and it's it's the accessibility tool so i yeah, yeah really well, it links it me. links to the problem of kindness too i think too because the other part of media representation that she brings up that was really stuck out to me was when she talks about headlines that that are like prom king invites uh disabled girl you know to the prom 
those kinds of stories, which are so flattening of the human experience. And I think that's one of the great things that she's doing is that she's trying to say, like, don't look at me in a chair as only my chair or only needing a ramp or only what only anything. Right. Think of me as a human. And and then the flip side of that is also that we we're, and I think we think about this. Um, from a design lens, hopefully often too, is that we're actually wanting to flip to the side of and eliminating folks in wheelchairs, folks that are disabled from an ableist mindset means that we're also missing out on their ideas, their stories, their all the wonderful ways that participation could happen um, if we were building a world that was in fact more inclusive and less ableist. And I think that gets into some interesting media narratives and how we write, because a lot of times this comes from my journalism school, you know, my broadcast and and radio days is everything is so set on finding a quick hook for a story. So like, what is going to make someone stop the scroll? Now we talk about that on social media, but it's no different than a technique that was done in newspaper before radio and then radio into TV. There's like a hook that you're always trying to get. Everything's like, stop, stop, stop. Attention, attention, attention. But how do you do that? And sometimes at the peril of other people without true understanding. And I think that that's something she dives into pretty well through here. And I, and what I also really like to highlight looking at this, putting my marketing hat on now is Rebecca talks about family events from, from dating to family events, to her career, to her first person experiences. Like one that really stuck out to me is her husband, um, before they were were husband and wife, she mentions him not knowing how to hold her hand, like when they were walking together and she was in her wheelchair. So it was something that's like, you just don't think about these things. But what you do see more so, and she talks about this as well, is you see a lot of solutions-oriented marketing. It's like, hey, here's the solution to it, but you don't hear the first-person experience. So I think of this as a brand. As a brand, I need to show the solution because it's our product. It's what we're trying to sell. But I also think of thought leadership as someone that works at the brand, someone that's the CEO at the brand, someone you know, like that, they can speak it through to it through more of a first person lens. So what I felt she did, and, and let me know what your thoughts are on this, Susie, is she basically almost brings together, there, there's different books and there's different, you know, obviously marketing out there when it comes to disability and, and making sure that things are correct in that sphere. But she told it almost through a thought leader perspective. So I feel like it almost works in this world where she carries on the story, but from a personalized perspective, like we haven't seen before. So the way that I just viewed this was so much in thought leadership and the ability to tell your authentic story is likely going to be the type of marketing or just simply storytelling that will gravitate a lot of people in. Yeah. 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 I love that. I mean, I think the frame of storytelling is really powerful because that is, that is in essence what she did. Like we never lost her, her voice, her stories. Sometimes they were funny. Sometimes they were cringy. Sometimes they were painful. Sometimes they were very analytic about the systems that she was in. Um, but that range, I felt like that range of stories was so broad um, that it was, that it was, you know, it was kind of like that meta narrative um, of the kinds of stories that she told was linking up to kind of her point about wanting to bring in the voices of um, people that aren't typically listened to. I I have one quote. Can I share one quote that I really liked Um, that I think is germane to this? Um, She says, page 197 for anyone who's book clubbing who wants to pull out the book, but um, she says, because listening to voices that are typically silenced brings to the table nuance, endurance, creativity, beauty, innovation, and power. 
And it's that, that set of things, nuance, endurance, creativity, beauty, innovation, and power. Like that could be a definition of thought leadership, right? Like what are you trying to do as a thought leader? You're actually trying to bring that together of sharing a nuance and actually showing how it leads to what's new and what's powerful about it. So I thought that was, I, when I first jotted down that quote, I wasn't thinking of it in terms of thought leadership, but it feels like it, it might be a match there. Jess, what about yeah. you? Yeah, that I, I love, I love that story and perspective. And it just, it, it almost makes me think like, yeah, that's a, that just seems like such an easy thing. Like, of course, like our table stakes, like, of course, like if you're going to design a solution for someone, or you're going to try to help the world connect, et cetera, and come together as a community, they need to be at the table. I mean, why would you not have all of these voices included? So it just, it, it's almost, it's almost yeah, like- Yeah, and I, think, yeah, I uh -huh. think like, I think thinking about the why is interesting too. Like, does it feel hard? Do you not, right? Does it feel, I don't know, expensive? Does it, I'm not saying these are, right? Like, just like, wh why? Why not is, is exactly right. And then you just wonder, or you don't actually know people. They're not a part of your network or your environment or your team, et cetera. But it feels so important. And it, in that, it kind of links to me. She talks about um, when something that's meant to be kind actually feels like erasure um and i think that's like the watch outside of like right like the and and maybe it's the intersection with design for belonging you actually have to design the context so it feels good can can we do on, on this do we say cuss words i don't know so it doesn't feel shitty i'm always like how does it feel i really want to be sure it doesn't feel shitty i actually want to make it uh, see if it can feel like it makes you feel like you belong but i definitely don't want to be right like if that if those if shitty and belonging are the ends of the continuum there right we're going for belonging but we certainly don't want to cross into the it feels bad and we definitely don't right and not into harm or injury etc when we're doing the work of trying to include folks that haven't historically been for whatever reason. And I think it's so important to hear these personalized stories because uh, I will talk through like a, a real lens of learning how to write for different sectors of marketing. So I've dabbled in healthcare before. Andy, how did you learn how to write for healthcare and be HIPAA <laughs> compliant? Andy got a job at an agency and it became my client. I started writing for them on Monday. But there's so many intricacies here. Like, how are you showing the photos? Is it, you know, proper for this community? How are you writing for this community? And it could still be HIPAA compliant and still be offensive at the same time. So I feel like this, these types of stories, what Rebecca does here and what I like is she combines an Instagram presence. So she's had a lot of activity on Instagram where she talks about similar stories and almost takes it to another level with this book and her storytelling. So Susie, is this something from your coaching lens and maybe your author lens too here? Is this something when when you're trying to get the best out of somebody, an Instagram presence, writing a book, being a thought leader, like combining all these tools together, do you see this as a successful strategy for someone to go out and do and you know really create some voice in their sphere? Yeah, I mean, I, I think she offers us a really beautiful model. I imagine it's not going to work for everyone if you're not, right? If like writing doesn't feel engaging. I mean, and plenty of people are great writers and it feels terrible. And so, right, from a coaching perspective, I'm always trying to be strength-based and inquire of what people are really interested in, in doing um, and, and use that to to help people make the connection to their audience or to their team if it's more leadership coaching etc i think one of the interesting things that we know builds belonging and i think we can see it in some of her stories too is is that moment when you know that you're making a contribution and i think that's some of what we see in her writing in her instagram etc is the way that she's making a contribution to disability awareness, disability rights, the right, the visibility um, 
that disability folks with disabilities like deserve and seek, etc. She's really building that um, effectively, impactfully. I love it. I feel like I'm learning a lot today, Jess. Like I can see why Susie is your go-to because just so much makes sense just from broad lenses. And I think, you know, these stories are important, even if it's not something that's apples to apples to somebody individually, sometimes just hearing that perspective and what you say there, Susie, about wanting to find some sort of belonging behind what you're doing, I feel like is so much of what many marketers strive for and, and are really searching for in different lenses. Yeah, and I think the piece there is that finding a way to make a contribution, that ultimately builds belonging and the potential to do that um, in lots of, you know, in lots of different ways. Yeah, Susie, I was going to ask you as well, because, you know, I, I, I see the the great intersection between the both of these books, because even throughout the book, Rebecca is asking and she's very curious, like, I, how can we reimagine this, the, the, the systems, how can we reimagine this world where we feel connected, we feel like we belong, and I just wanted to get your perspective, since you wrote about it like what are some of the things we can do yeah yeah well the way the way i think about it is kind of this like three-part orientation feeling seeing and shaping and so one is just like really noticing when do you feel when do you as an individual feel belonging or not and for the folks that you're endeavoring to be you know working with or engaged with, if you're leading a team or you're doing marketing, how are those folks feeling? When and where do they feel belonging? And taking those signs as important things to, to, to work with. And those become then the things to work on improving or redesigning. And then I like to think of them in terms of moments of belonging. So is it about redesigning the invitation, how you're actually invited in? Or is it about, right? And sometimes people focus on that, but then there's that moment of entry. And some of her stories um, really speak to this too, of like, you felt like you were invited, but actually you have to do so much work to figure out if you're literally in a wheelchair going to be able to enter. But for lots of other folks, is it, right? Think of like neurodivergence, right? Is it going to be a really loud space where I'm not going to feel comfortable or is the light going to be something that is really going to be uncomfortable for me? So thinking about specific moments from a design perspective really helps us to create those and kind of thinking about what the whole journey is. And then my, my other thing about like engaging this, and I think it, part of why I said this would be a great book to give to design students is because there's so many moments that they could just pick up and, and think about in the real world. Um, then I want to think about not just, you know, designing a new email to invite people, but how do we really redesign spaces? She's certainly calling for that. But there are other things too, roles and rituals and how we use time, right? There's a, there's a bit of a through line with her about full-time work or not, and whether or not People with certain kinds of disabilities have, you know, how do they manage their energy, et cetera. These are all things, I mean, in some ways, the pandemic taught us, these are all things we can work with um, in new ways. If we're consciously generating based on some specific, I like to call them levers of design, um, and we're kind of opening up, it's not just about writing emails or sending invitations, it's actually thinking about the environments that we're in. And that includes all of those different levers from space to role to ritual to timing, um, groupings, etc. Susie, you know, this is a thought I guarantee you've probably never heard before, is who you should help consult are people that are going to be on Survivor and play reality TV shows because it's so much human to human interaction and people get on there and they're like, I want to be corporate cutthroat. I'm going to do whatever <laughs> it takes to win. And they get voted out on day three. The people that win these shows are the people that can listen to others, figure out what makes them tick, be a team player, uh, figure out just what the dynamic is from person to person and feel yeah. uh, like you can create belonging with your tribe. Those yeah. people for 20 plus years 
they win that show over and over and over again. And just, I told the producers and I was interviewing that if I got on the show, they're like, how would you play Andy? <laughs> I said, I would vote out the person who I like the most right away because that's who's going to win the million dollars from me. If we uh... can't versus them. <laughs> okay, so this podcast is not making of a marketer. It's making it of survivor winners. Yes. <laughs> oh man Andy did it again (laughs) okay so Susie Andy is a a, a huge reality TV fan I I got the inkling (laughs) I'm not going to be able to keep up my stepbrother's wife's sister was a survivor winner oh Oh, we we need to offline about which season is this (laughs) right I think it was I don't know what season it was she did do the reunion season recently. Okay. Like, okay. So I yeah, that's that's a, a high level player Kim, then. If Kim you make it Bradlin on the Wolf. Seasons. Yeah, she is. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She now and she has her own HGTV um, home design show now and everything. Very cool. Very cool. Well, I won't derail us too too much more, Susie. This has <laughs> been fantastic. You've we've given this book. I think a good just viewpoint through our lenses. We've talked about it all enough, but didn't spoil all the meat and potatoes. So audience definitely go out and read it, but we'd be remiss, Susie. We got to talk about your book real quick. So um, definitely give us another preview for it here on the video screen so our viewers can see if they're just tuned in. Oh, yeah. And then really for you what's next are there any new books you know coming down the line are you doing book clubs yourself and, and marketing your book like well what's going on in your world okay um great question and thank you and again the book is designed for belonging how to build inclusion and collaboration in your communities um i'll be at the d school um this saturday at stanford um doing a workshop introducing the tools of design for belonging which again for me are really like dig into when and where you feel it and then think about what kind of a moment it is and then open up your toolkit of design lovers in order to create change i'm all about creating change really what's next for me is figuring out how to intersect design for belonging and the move from a kind of food charity model to a food justice model in terms of how food banks work. Um, and I'm really excited to work on that in, here in Alameda County at our community food bank. And I'm also, um, I'm just curious what I'll learn from that. So for me, it's back to that flair and focus. Like I'm going deep on the food system. It's not something that I have background in. So I'm like immersing deeply using tons of design tools to have lots of different kinds of conversations and experiences. And we'll see where it goes. Like would love to write a next book related to food justice, um, but we'll have to see, you know, how it emerges. For now, it's like really about being a part of this team and digging into the work in the day to day. Very cool, Susie. Susie Wise, check her out on LinkedIn. Be sure to get the book. Give your a follow, author, director, coach. Again, it's on the screen, Design for Belonging. Be sure to write it down, bookmark, um, et cetera. But that is all the time we have for today, Susie. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us and and taking us through this second book club. Woohoo. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was really fun. And thank you again for introducing me to Rebecca Tossig and her book. Yes. Right. My my recommendation, read Rebecca's book first, then read Susie's book and your your mind will be blown. (laughs) That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, Susie. Thank you. Should I bow out? Yes. All right. Thank you. So Jess, that was a second wonderful book club. And I just feel like Susie, what she did to bring this together, she takes it from beyond the book into real life and kind of like applies it to a lot of different lenses. So I definitely need to read her book now to see how kind of these, you know, ideas combined together, as you mentioned, but 
just fascinating. You know, I really, what I got out of this book was I kind of hindered around thought leadership. That's where I felt like Rebecca really dives in, but thought leadership from a real natural state. But I feel like the way Susie kind of brings it all together, like takes it even another step further in talking about belonging and, and how that's incorporated from peer to peer and finding that within yourself. So I thought that was really interesting just to hear the multiple multiple perspectives on this book. Yes. And as a marketer, you you can do that as well. We, you know, we talk about, you know, Susie, I love that Susie mentioned these moments because uh, like we discussed, Rebecca has multiple stories where there's these moments that maybe someone that is not disabled would take for granted, like this idea of attending a party. And mm -hmm. so as a marketer, yes, you th can think about the invitation, but then also thinking about the space as well and creating this uh, inclusion. And I, it, there's there's all these little things that can be done so you know whether it's like with the 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 colors or the color palette you're using on an ad uh whether uh you're thinking about uh, is the person that is consuming the content are they hearing impaired uh mm -hmm. if, if i'm marketing an event again like thinking about like so what are we are we being inclusive to everyone uh, that may be joining the event and like how things are set up and the environment, as Susie mentioned. So there's so many things that a marketer can take from from both books. But again, I just think I see this through line of this idea that in the end, we all want to feel like we belong and we all want to be like or feel that we are contributing to society that's what it comes down to it comes down to like the emotional aspect and Rebecca just just is very vulnerable in sharing these uh emotional stories that uh, just really uh really uh get to you and um, are very eye-opening and so I'm so happy that our listeners recommended or, or voted for this book because it's wonderful. And what I like is we're doing marketing books, but they're not like marketing books. It's not like, hey, marketing for this vertical and read it. And it's like a strategy book of how to put full funnel together and hit go. Like it's more like real life marketing. What's going through somebody's head? Yes. A, a way that I applied this because, you know, we look at this through a marketing lens all the time. We think about our experiences, how they line up is when I worked for Space Center Houston, our center, we were in the process of trying to make our center uh, very visible and approved for people with various disabilities. So whether it's, you know, more ramps, wider pathways, uh, we had sensory friendly days for kids that have sensory issues and they could come and experience space travel and or, or the history of space travel and you don't have like all the blaring lights and sounds and everything. So we would do this, but it was my job to display this on social media. So I'd be like, hey, we have we're making these changes. We're having this day come see us. But then I might have a picture up. And is it relevant? to that audience? Is it showcasing our facility in the manner that would be approved by them? And those were things that I kind of went and thought about. And I think that I did a decent job at that. But there are also scenarios that she was talking about, something we very much catered to was somebody with, um, you know, the inability to walk that um, is in a wheelchair. How do we basically showcase that they can navigate Space Center, you know, in, a, in an orderly fashion? Some of the things she was bringing up, I never thought about. And I was like, I was almost kicking myself reading it. And it was kind of like, I never thought about it through this lens, like how I could have showcased this better in my visuals or how I could have wrote about this a little stronger to add comfort. So things like that is something that helps me as a marketer when I see thought leadership, because I think about it in another perspective versus more of like a traditional marketing where it's kind of like, hey, these are the things you're supposed to do. You should do them to be compliant, get this like certificate that says you've done all the things. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but I think this just adds another lens that like brings it all together. Yes. The the importance of being seen. Again, just so 
a, a basic human need and desire. So it's like you don't have to over-index on the image, but making sure that you are including every different person is important. Absolutely. So thank you again, Jess, for another good read there. And I think that that's going to just set us, off, set us off for some more. So I would say, what do you think? Maybe like a, a month or so, we get another poll going up and, and start up our, our winter book. Yes. Again, thank you uh, to our listeners. I, I think we should just keep going to our listeners and having our listeners select. Definitely. And we are going to have some exciting episodes coming up. So uh, as we talked about in previous episodes, last month, I went and did the spoke at the mental health marketing conference. So next week, we're going to have Steve Turney back on the show to discuss the conference and also just talk about, you know, some of the powerful messages that we had there. That was something just that we'll save more of the meat and potatoes for next week. But it really struck me when Susie was talking about, you know, wanting to, to find belonging, feeling like you're making a contribution. I, I honestly feel like that's something post-COVID. There's a lot of times I've struggled with that in the marketing world because it's been so topsy-turvy. You know, we want to do good work. We want to keep jobs. We want to consult. We want to make money. But that's something I feel like it's lost a lot of times. Uh, with marketers and we're almost like trying to seek it out in some form or fashion so i want to hit on that a lot with steve as well because i found it extremely powerful to talk about marketing solutions for this audience where mental health used to be something that had a, a gigantic stigma behind it and we're just really in the early years of it being more of a mainstream marketing tool so to be able to work with that audience of therapists practitioners people at these different institutions it was very very rewarding to do some type of work like that I, I I can't wait to hear about the experience and hear about the takeaways I I'm, I'm this is another thing that I think uh, we all all need right now. Definitely, definitely. So how are you, Jess? Just broad, like what, what's been <laughs> going on in your world that's been uh, exciting lately? Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, just, you know, a lot of prepping f- uh, to return to work. Two and- weeks, right? Yes, I can't believe it. It's gone by very quickly, uh, especially the second time around, a lot faster. So just just, uh, getting ready, getting ready and uh, enjoying enjoying the moments and seeing my my little one grow grow so quickly and and yeah, just lots lots of transition and changes. So after being out, are you excited to get back to work after this period of time? Is it something where it's like you get a little bit of a break from having the two youngins running around or will you miss them while you're at work? I mean, you work, you know, we work remotely, so you you still have time around your kids, of course. But is it like a is it a mixed feeling going back your second time? I would say, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to miss them. I literally miss them if I'm not like right next to them for 10 minutes. But yeah, so I I will miss them. But I will say it's been um, a little bit of an easier transition this time around, especially since we have been doing our podcast and and continued the conversations uh, into my maternity leave. And so it hasn't felt as as uh, as big of a transition from the first time around when I literally had no contact with the professional world. Well, I can tell you what's happened in the professional world since you've been gone is like AI, a little more AI, AI this, and a little bit more AI of that and AI. So you're going to I can tell you what the the meat and potatoes will be upon your return to the to marketing world. It's going to be uh, about AI. So <laughs> there you go. 
I, I was just thinking, I mean, should we, should we use AI to choose the next book or, we could. To, or to Chat choose GPT. all of our topics? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've already tried asking Chat GPT to write me a blog article and it's capable of doing it. So maybe I'll ask Chat GPT to write me a book and then I'll try to edit the book and see if I can make it readable. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> that Way to embrace it. That I mean, that'd be, I, I would make a lot of authors hate me doing that, but it could be a fun little exercise to see if it's even possible. Or how about asking Chat GTP how to win Survivor or one of these reality TV oh, I'm shows? I'm gonna do that. I, I'm sure it'll be on with me. It's like being human, being relatable, being able to make people like you, even as you vote them off. Like that, it's the key to winning. But here's the thing: I'm very curious to know now. How much time are people spending just asking Chat GTP all these things? Probably like, hours. Like I haven't done that personally. I'm honestly a little more fascinated with the creative tools than I am the text tools. However, uh, I know there's people out there that just try to hack this thing, like to just try to. It, it's actually going to be a skill sooner than later about prompting AI. So, you know, like people have SEO as your background or social media, like that is legitimately going to be a skill on a resume. It's going to be AI prompting. And I think it's going to make people hundreds of thousands of dollars if they're good at it before the rest. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't sound efficient to me right now. If people are now just spending all of their time consumed with looking up what they should be doing how they should be writing etc versus then just Not going yet. and doing it yeah i don't think so yet because this is too much trying to figure it out versus actually doing so i think at some point you know some of our short form videos that we've been featuring have been me toying around with ai and they've been editing our video clips that was pretty cool that was that surprised me i was like Let's see how this works. And then it just start pumping them out like 25 videos an episode, which we need to, I need to get on, start posting um, a lot more again. But it was fascinating to me. So that I was like, this raised my efficiency a lot. Other tools, I sit around trying to figure out what I'm doing. So it's just dependent, I guess, on how quick somebody can use the, the buzzword that we hear all the time, upskill, and be able to uh, attribute that to their everyday work. But soon enough, Jess, it's what you're going to be hearing two weeks from now. Cool. Your clients will be asking you about it. So it's coming. Uh, but with that, Jess, another great episode. We will get back into our regular cadence next week. Steve rejoins the program. So super, super excited there. And again, thank you for voting, making this uh, second edition of the book club happen. So we'll look for our next read and I look forward to getting going on that. Sounds good. Can't wait. Till next time. Bye. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.